0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com.
2: Well, what's up, world? It's Mandy Fresh, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network.
1: Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org
3: In some of my songs I have casually mentioned The fact that I like to drink beer This little song is more to the point Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears, I like beer It makes me a jolly good fellow, I like beer It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow
4: Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. A couple of weeks ago, the Beer Sessions Radio team went up to Cooperstown, New York for Brewery Omegang's annual beer festival, Belgian comes to Cooperstown. We spent an entire weekend camping at the brewery and talking to the brewers, beer reps, chefs, bar owners, and beer fans that make this festival such an awesome event. Tonight we bring you part one of our two-part special taped on the grounds at Brewery Omagang, where we had the pleasure of tasting countless great beers, both in the official tasting tent and out on the campgrounds, where festival goers share some of their special treats. We hope you enjoy this unique episode of Beer Sessions Radio. It
3: makes me a jolly. Good fellow I like beer
4: Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. We're up here at the Oma Gang's annual Belgian Comes to Cooperstown Festival in Cooperstown. And uh, this morning I took a walk. It's Saturday, day two of the festival. I took a walk. I went up the hill. I met some guys from Pennsylvania. They were drinking crazy beers like Southern Tears, Unearthly Oaked. And uh, I found myself with the New York City contingent, and there's different breweries. There's brewers. There's guys from Blind Tiger and Home Brewers. And I, and I found myself at the Stone Brewery Outpost. Stone from San Diego has a tent at this event which just shows you how awesome it is there's so many people here there's pretty things from massachusetts you know there's crazy guys but i met this guy M- michael sacklad he's the eastern Re- regional sales manager for stone brewing and he's here at, at cooperstown and michael uh you've come to this festival before what does it mean to you
5: as a beer guy uh, personally I-, I think it's the best uh beer festival on the eastern u.s uh outdoor beer festival uh it's a- Right of summer for everybody it's uh it's it, everybody wants to come back and and re-up the year prior and everybody's trying to follow the theme and uh it, it's it's the best festival you can go to on the eastern u.s in my opinion so tell us introduce your other friends you're here with with a bunch of friends yeah i sure am i'm here with my friend jeff jeff gulay um friend of mine from home who uh this is his first time at omegang and uh i wanted to give him that experience i thought i'd drag him along with me
6: i've been going to this festival for about three years now and uh you know just good supporter you know proud supporter of stone brewery and all the breweries that are here and uh every year you know you have to come back once you go once you, you just you don't go back You you always come to this thing
4: so jason i know you go to a lot of beer festivals
6: are you an employee of a brewery, or do you work in the beer industry? You're just an enthusiast. Uh, I'm an avid taster. Actually, <laughs> I just uh, I sample a lot of beers. I appreciate it, and uh, and it's always a good scene. It's always you meet great people, and uh, you don't have to be a brewer or you don't have to own anything. You can just come and participate and learn a ton about beer brewing and uh, meet a bunch of great people.
4: Well, it's late morning. It's 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 probably officially twelve thirty, but let's say it's eleven because we we're supposed to start at eleven. But uh, your your friend Jeff Goulet made us. Um, you guys, what's amazing at this festival is what people bring. Almost every town has beer and food. Uh, Jeff Goulet brought uh, uh, bloody mary mix, but what else did you bring? You you, you have a coolers full of food and things packed in
7: ice. That's that's kind of the whole idea here. I mean, it's it's the sharing of all kinds of great food, great beer, great friends, and um, it's really amazing to see so many people just walking tent to tent with, yeah. with with different things and trying so many different different things, different beers, different foods. Uh, it's, it's really 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 cool. Jimmy,
6: this is gourmet camping, man. This is no <laughs> this isn't going to a music festival and hanging out and going to see music. You're you're tasting really good beers. And every tent has something to offer. And each one is like its own little campsite, and you go to it, and you just you get the high-end stuff of, of the gamut of whatever they have to offer, whether it's food, beer, whatever it is. It's it's great. And what are some of the, the
4: favorite beers you've tried so far since you've been mm-hmm. here?
6: Well, this is a Bloody Mary. <laughs> the Bloody right? Mary is <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> um, that's a Saturday opener. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Well,
4: yesterday I had, I had a South Carolina Goza. Yep. There's a,
5: oh man, what, Westbrook. There's, there's a woman who's here, and she goes down to South Carolina. She brought yeah. a keg of that. That up. was from Westbrook in Charleston, South Carolina. Great, great brewery. They yeah. uh, they also they make a couple of great beers. They're, uh, they're Belgian pale ale. It's superb. Um,
4: yeah, earlier, I had a Lagunitas Lucky Thirteen, the yep. all beer, but here in a growler, like really cold on ice. That that was my breakfast beer. That was awesome. Excellent. And we have Tim, Tim Reinke, he was uh, yes. one of the investors in Blind Tiger, and now he's opened his own place up in Peekskill, New York. Tell us about your place, and I don't even know the name of it, I always forget.
8: The, uh, yeah, the, the Bird's House in Peekskill. Um, we're doing farm-to-table food, uh, 20 draft lines of American craft beer, um, and we're opening another place called Gleason's, uh, about two blocks away. Uh, we're going to serve flatbreads and eight draft lines. So different concept, but still going to serve quality beer.
4: So, Tim, how did you get involved with Blind Tiger? Because I know Blind Tiger had the original location in New York, and then they, they had to leave that, and, and they had a struggle to open in their current location in West Village. At what point did you get involved with Dave Broderick? Uh,
8: I started bartending at the Collins Bar, and then uh, quickly, soon after that, started managing the Collins Bar, which Dave, and, uh, Dave Broderick and Brian Delaney owned. Um, it's closed in 2007, but uh, that was how I got in, in, involved with them, and then invested in the, in the in the Tiger when it moved from its original location on Hudson to where it is now at Bleeker and Jones. So that was that was how that happened.
4: Well, I'm glad you're here. What what are the favorite parts of the festival? You've been here before, haven't you? I have been here before. Yeah. Yeah. This is, your, yeah, how this is, many years this is my
8: this is my second time actually, but at the the last time was probably about five years ago. Um, and I think one of my favorite parts is actually Saturday night because that's when Scott Ficaro's pig gets finished. He always brings a pig up in a trailer from uh, Hemlock Hill Farm, which is where the All House gets its, its meat as well. Um, and there's Trevor's Taco Bar. There's there's a lot that goes on on Saturday night. It's a good night.
4: Well, hey, it's only what time is it now? Who has clock? You know, a clock? That's a great. note. it's hot. It's hot out throw here. I'm waiting for, well, for I the I sun go to go. We're there. here at the Oma Belgium comes to Cuba. I'm gonna call it Oma Gang Fest, but. It's, what's, the, what's the theme this year? It's like some weird... The thing. end is beer. The end, the is, end beer. is
6: beer.
5: And uh, I just every year there's a different theme. It's yeah. kind of wild. Yeah, there's been some funny ones, too. I mean, they've done Caddyshack, they've done The Big Lebowski, they've done uh, Abbey Road. Right. And, and every year, people really get into it. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, during The Big Lebowski year, people were running around a character, you know, uh, character dress, uh, characters of the movie, you know, the dude. Uh, it, it, was, it was really a lot of fun then yeah. of course they they uh, they broadcast the movie on the big screen up on the top of the hill uh, and that usually turns into mayhem uh, last year was spinal tap that was total mayhem right. up on the top of the hill and uh, so. I have to say that um, there's over
4: 3,000 people camped out here. And last night I was here, we had, had dinner, and we, we, we met a lot of people. I had to leave at 10 because I knew that if I stayed too late, I, I would get in trouble. So <laughs> that, was a, that was a good move. I came back. <laughs> yeah. But so what, what, what's Stone doing here? you guys just come as friends? Or are you here uh, trying well, to represent your brand? And,
5: uh, and we are, we're also featuring some beers. We have uh, our Stone 11, 11, 11 Vertical Epic Ale. Uh, we're also featuring uh, Stone, Victory, uh, Dogfish, Saison de Buff. And we're also pouring uh, Stone Kelly Belgique IPA.
4: Wow. Are you ready to let us taste some of those beers? You want to unleash them? Uh, Not yet. Not yet. We're going
5: to unleash those bad boys when we tap them in the tent.
4: So what time? Later this afternoon there's going to be a a formal tasting? That's correct. With like
5: 100 breweries, right? Something like that. Correct. And it's uh, pretty much a free for all, like drink, drink, drink. Uh, And then that, you know, gets out and uh, and then it just becomes a, uh, a love fest. People passing around, awesome beers. I mean, literally, people were walking by all night last night with beers from everywhere. I drank multiple beers that were just superb last night. Superb.
4: oh hey. All right. What else should we say about it? I don't know. I mean, coming up to Cooperstown, it's a treat for everybody. And uh, I think it's getting better every year. But um, let's take a short break on Beer Sessions Radio.
1: So, you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, greatbrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the great beer test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today.
4: Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. We're up in Cooperstown, New York, at the Omegang uh, Annual Festival. Belgium comes to Cooperstown. This is a great event. Uh, we're having a good time. Uh, we're sitting in the uh, the Stone Brewery Outpost uh, with Michael Sacklad and his team, Jeff Goulet and uh, Jason Price, who's the roaming beer festival guy. Um, we caught up with Chad Rich, a, a very cool guy from Vermont. We'll talk to him. Um, we love him. He's uh, opening a new, a new bar up in... Uh, vermont there's a long story to this it goes back to hurricane irene last year and uh chad take it away tell us about uh what you're doing and, and what happened to alchemist and the, the hurricane irene and what happened in waterbury vermont what you're doing now
2: well when irene came through i had already written the business plan for pro and pig and i was looking for a location and um when the chemics started to rebuild the pub they had already opened their cannery and uh once they uh, got involved with insurance and whatnot, dealing with, with the pub that had been there for eight years in Waterbury, they found out that their stuff in the basement, their brewery and anything in the basement, was not covered by insurance. So that discouraged them from wanting to reopen in that location. And so they decided to just rent the building out, which that's where I kind of came into play. I, would, I had been looking for a location. They knew this. They knew I had a business plan in place ready to go and it it kind of worked hand in hand because there was actually a lot of similarities what they were doing and what i wanted to do so um i uh took over from them in november the the rebuilding of the building and uh they uh were very gracious very kind helped out with with many many things it made things a lot easier for me to get this started but uh anyway uh we opened up uh the ides of march march 15th which
4: so that's a little back so so it was alchemist's pub yeah in um, Waterbury, Vermont. yeah
2: third best brew pub in the country according to rate beer and that's due to their heady topper which they had just opened a cannery right up the road three weeks prior to irene they had been working on that for about six months prior and uh the cannery is where they brew their heady topper their double ipa that's pretty famous um it's an amazing eight oh, percent we're drinking it right now right and we are we're, we're drinking, drinking out. out of
4: cans michael you have one absolutely and brie you have one yeah. cheers
2: <laughs> and uh yeah this is the beer that uh well many of the beers made them famous but this one for sure so and fortunately for me the nice thing is uh i'm the only beer bar in america to have it on draft so that's worked out pretty well too It's uh, definitely a great draw, you know, people coming up. We get a lot of beer tourism in Vermont, people coming up from Mass, New York, and Connecticut, you know, to come up and visit uh, Sean Lawson and Sean Hill and all the other great breweries that are up there. And uh, so it's worked out well for me because um, the location already had the recognition as being a great beer bar or a great brew pub. So now we're trying to make it a great beer bar.
4: So what are the, some of the other beers that you'll feature besides Hetty Topper on draft?
2: Uh, you know, we we call it the trifecto because uh, whether we have three beers up from these three breweries or we tend to have uh, about seven or eight up in uh, between the three, it's um, Hetty Topper from the Alchemist. It's um, usually two or three beers from sean lawson at lawson's finest liquids he lives right down the road uh 12 miles down the road in Waitsfield. And he's one of my best friends and then sean hill um, a lot of people know him now he's up in greensboro vermont he's about 45 minutes away and you kind of have to get off the greensboro or the, excuse me the waterbury exit to get to greensboro it's one of the shortest ways to get there from 89 and we usually have anywhere from three to six beers from him up and um uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter what we have on draft. We always have a, a really strong lineup. Jeff Bauman is the bar manager there. He uh, he worked with American Flatbread for years, and he came on board with me. And he, uh, um, so he does the whole beer lineup. But no matter what we have, uh, it seems like 90% of what we pour comes from the trifecta. Of these three breweries. Well,
4: i tell you what I love about coming to Cooperstown is that there's guys like you here, and it's like, there's so many stories that so many people want to talk to. So um, going back, how did you get started? I mean, you're Chad Rich. I knew a guy named Chad Rich, who was a contractor making yoga studios in 2001, but you're not the same no, guy. No,
2: I had nothing to do with yoga or yogurt, but uh, I, um, I got involved in, in beer. I moved back to Vermont back in 2007 to get into the restaurant business, and mainly the beer business. So I went to work with American Flatbread in Burlington. They're a great brew pub up there. Uh, Two and a half years ago, they asked me to help open a new uh, tap room called the Farmhouse Tap and Grill in Burlington. It's actually in an old McDonald's building. Um, Features a great lineup of beers, and uh, there again, it's all local food, which is what they do at American Flatbread, and it's also what I do at... Uh, Prohibition Pig, which is there's a lot of people that believe in the local food movement up there and it's it's definitely one of the great things about living up in Vermont. So we get you know, I feel like the food scene there is amazing and then as well we have this beer scene that rivals it as well. So having the two hand in hand it's it's a great thing. It's a diamond in the green. Hell yeah. What's that? It's a diamond in the green. It is. It's awesome up there. I Jason, love it.
6: have you been up there? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've taken trips specifically to go to Alchemist just to buy the beer. Because it's the only, yeah, I mean, that brewery only does an unfiltered IPA. That's all they do, and that's all you go there for. And it's well worth the trip. You get a couple cases, share it with your friends, and it's amazing. I mean, everything in Vermont, going to... Some of the anniversary parties, you know, uh, Sean from Hill Farm said went went up to that one. Amazing, so it's well worth the trip, even if you're from any other state, just to get up there, experience it. It's a diamond in the green, man. It's amazing.
4: So, Chad, early, yeah. But where where is Alchemist now? So they they gave up the brew pub, and now it's Prohibition Pig. So where is Alchemist? Maybe they your are eyes? about
2: a mile up the road. They're they're in the process of buying a building that they're, they started renting to do this in. Uh, they're selling me the building that I'm in. And they started out with just uh, doing 30 barrels a week, and they sell out uh, every single week. And sometimes they... they Very often, they'll can on Thursdays and they're out of beer by Friday. So they started out doing 30 barrels. They increased that three months later to do uh, 60 barrels per week. And now with them purchasing the building, they just started demolition this week to expand it to... So is is all that business in state? uh, A majority of it. You actually see uh, there's a lot of great beer bar owners around here. This is one of the most amazing... Uh, gatherings of beer bar owners in the United States, and there's some great guys here. There's Patrick from Rattling Home, There's Daniel from uh, Lord Hobo and Alewife, and uh, uh, you'll see these guys coming up and grabbing cases of it too. Uh, I don't know if it's for themselves or they're serving at the bar or what, but there's usually a, uh, a strong following from the bar owners in the Northeast coming up just to buy the beer, and it's it's the beer is pretty well known. I mean, there's people I know down in Florida guys with cigar city and other places they're clamoring to get the beer so So what what
4: is it about the heady topper that's so special uh
2: i i think it's a very very drinkable ipa um it's you know for an eight percent beer it just goes down it's so smooth it's so easy to drink um just like the stone beers they're they're amazing as well michael um but uh you know Uh, And and people are into the whole local movement. And, uh, you know, so they take pride in drinking a local product. But this is beyond local here because we have people, as we've said, that come from all over the United States just to get this beer. And uh, um, even with 60 barrels a week, they sell out immediately. And so they're upping it to 120 barrels. And I I got a feeling that's not the last growth we'll see from this, this place.
4: Wow. It's amazing and there's a cool scene up there we know you from our good friend dave Broderick from blind tiger who's on our show a lot yep um and we've had uh kids from fable farm there's the the young farmers up there that, that rented old farms and uh we've met todd hardy he's doing spirits up there todd is an amazing guy and uh it's it's a pretty neat scene and I, i'm looking forward to coming up there at some point you need to get out there a prohibition Pig. What I liked about it was, I knew you guys were open, and I heard about it. And I'm sorry, I missed that wave. And next thing you know, I opened Beer Advocate one day, and there was an ad for Prohibition Pig. Uh, did you take out the ad in, in, in Beer Advocate? Was did you have like a large marketing uh, plan, or was it just something that happened?
2: Uh, no, I, I definitely. Uh, we were blessed with a lot of uh, momentum from the fact that this used to be the Alchemist. And there was a lot of uh, a lot of people that were. I have to go get some. Um, there was a lot of anticipation for the restaurant. As Seven Days said, the most Ballyhooed restaurant opening in, in Vermont, and that was because The Alchemist was such a famous place. And then I feel like there was some tie-in to the restaurants that I worked at that you know people were sort of watching to see what was going to happen. Because There's a lot of people that really appreciate those other two places that I worked at and, and all the local food. People are excited to have more places to go. So once all that hit the ground, I feel like I definitely got a lot of f- great free publicity but I try to keep that momentum going by advertising and great publications like Bear Advocate and keeping that uh, going. Wow. fancy music all right, all right. It, and th-
4: now we do the fancy the fancy questions like you you know okay.
2: You're an American dude, right? All right. <laughs> where were you born? Uh, I was born in uh, Lebanon, New Hampshire, but grew up in White River and then moved to North Carolina. That's where I picked up the barbecue thing. That's and the accent, that's, right? Yeah, that's how the barbecue ties into Prohibition Pig. <laughs> that, And we are going to be distilling there, so that's where the Prohibition ties in. We're going to be making some of the adjuncts for our cocktails, the bitters and whatnot. Um, the mash tun still sits in the basement from the Alchemist uh, Brewery. And the uh, so where the brew kettle once stood is where the still is going to go. So you're a passionate dude. What's the first bar or restaurant that you ever worked in? Uh, first one I ever worked in was American Flatbread. First place I ever had really great beer was in the early 90s at the Brick Skeller in D.C. That's what turned me on to uh, uh, European and Belgian beers. Let's talk about American Flatbread, because... I know through Dave Broderick at
4: Blind Tiger, I've heard about all the cool places up in in Vermont where I've never been. And uh, what is American Flatbread? Where is it? Tell us what what their mission is and, you know, give us a little
2: story about them. Uh, They started in Waitsfield, Vermont, 27 years ago. And... uh it's actually one of the first places that started pouring Sean Lawson's uh, Lawson's Finest Liquids on tap because it's so close to him, and um, it's. And what town are they in? They're in Waitsfield, Vermont, which is uh, the next town from Warren, where Sean lives. And right, so you got you got Burlington, and there's Waterbury. Yep. How how far are those two towns away? Uh, Waterbury is 20 minutes south of Burlington, and then Waitsfield is 12 miles. So really, th-
4: this is the town you're
2: talking about. Yeah, Burlington, Waterbury, Waitsville. Yeah, and there's, I mean, the whole northern half of Vermont. is a lot of great right. brewers, a lot of great restaurants. Local food scene is very strong. Uh, American Flatbread is one of the restaurants that I feel like that did the most for promoting local food. Um, they uh, they they actually have a working farm and in there where they where they do this. That's where it started 27 years ago. The one that opened about 10 years ago now in Burlington is the one that. Uh, Uh, really made them famous for having great beers with it too because they also brew beers there and I was a big big fan of that restaurant so when I moved back to Vermont I wanted to get involved with them because I wanted to be in both the beer and food business and uh, they have very strong beliefs in the whole local movement and they do a good job educating the public on that too. So I know there's a cool scene going on up there. I mean, through Dave,
4: we've met uh, the Fable Farms kids. Yeah. They're kids from New Hampshire yep. who, who uh, took over old farms and, and rent them. And they've come to New York, and they've, they've sold us vegetables. They've done a, a Vermont Fest at Blind Tiger. Um, it just sounds like a cool scene, and I'm dying to go up there.
2: Yeah, well, you know, Dave is opening another place up there with a couple of buddies of his uh, called Worthy Burger, which, again, is going to be all local food. Uh, actually all the food when they open is going to come from farms right on the road that he lives on and uh, there again a uh, great beer lineup with a lot of local beers as well but I'm sure he'll uh, get into more detail with that with you at some point so the, our show is probably going to be
4: aired in, uh, in August
2: so okay. after
4: August in the fall A lot of people like to to Vermont and look at the foliage and all that. Uh, What beers will you have on tap this fall? I hate to project that far ahead. Uh,
2: You know, always a strong showing from uh, the trifecta of uh, the alchemist, Sean Hill at Hill Farmstead and Sean Lawson at Lawson's Finest Liquids. And then other great beers from Stone, uh, Allagash. uh, You know, we try to mix it up and make sure that we cover all the spectrums from style to region to price point to abv um but uh i don't know there's always an impressive impressive lineup there right.
4: so and, and we're still on here at the stonebury outposts at uh Gang michael sacklad again michael uh do you you're the east coast rep for stone do you actually go up to vermont too
5: Oh, all the time. Actually, I'm the Eastern Regional Sales Manager now, and uh, previous to having someone who covered the territory, you know, Vermont was in my territory, my direct sales territory, and of all the states that I would cover, it was my favorite, by far. Like, all the people, just the general vibe of people up there is is positive, and everybody wants to go in a really good direction, and, and I just love people like that, personally, so...
4: And uh, what are the top accounts in Vermont that, that you'd recommend? Because a lot of us, I want to go up to Vermont. I haven't been there ever in my life. Might go up this fall. I might go next summer. Where uh, should I go if I want to have a weekend? I want to go up to Vermont. Pretty ah, good
5: beer. Ah, it's it's the list goes on and on. I mean, well, tell us farmhouse, uh, Three Needs Tap Room, uh, Prohibition Pig. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it depends where you want to be. Ski lifts. Uh, no, you, t- t- you can go to the uh, Rusty Nail and Stowe. You can go to. You can go to Flat Street Brew Pub in Brattleboro. You can go to um, three, uh, three Penny Tap Room in Montpelier. I mean, it goes on and on and on. There are dozens. Awesome. All
4: yeah. right. Well, hey, we're going to take a short break here. Let's give a shout-out. Our sponsor is GreatBrews.com. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're Beer Sessions Radio. We're up here in Cooperstown. Love it. We'll be back in a few minutes. Brew At hey, welcome back to Beer go. Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're up in Cooperstown at Omegang, uh, the festival, whatever it's called. Belgium comes to Cooperstown. We're having some good beers right now. We're drinking Michael from uh, Stone It. What are we drinking, dude? Stone
5: Cali Belgique IPA. Michael Sackler, the
4: Eastern Regional Rep of Stone. Uh, we're in the, uh, the Stone Brewery Outpost at Cooperstown having a good time. Um, there's a guy that, that we haven't seen in a while, and we've been dying to talk to for a long time. Uh, some of you know him from uh, the Moaning Dove in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, Lord Hobo, uh, a very cool guy who's one of the top uh, <laughs> beer bar to owners. Talk, <laughs> no, right, right talk What's your name? Uh, Daniel Lanigan. We know him from Lord Hobo and other places. A great great guy. He's here with us today, the first time we've had a chance to interview with him. So, uh, Daniel, hello. I'm going to shake your hand. So nice to see you, man. What's up, Jimmy? The first time I met you, uh, I knew that you were uh, the star of stars because, A, you were supportive of all the Shelton Brothers beers, and you knew more about beer than any other guy I knew in America, and, B, you actually took the time to take your staff to visit beer bars in New York and Philly. So I I knew for a long time that you really cared about, you know, your establishment and, and beer. Um, it's great to see you here So, how did you get started? That's the first question I mean, you're, you're, you're a guy you're, How old are you? 36 You're 36 And wh- wh- where did you grow up?
9: I grew up in uh, Everett and, uh, In Massachusetts? Everett, Medford, Malden, Revere uh, Ipswich. Ipswich
0: Yeah,
9: yeah. we moved around a bit And when did you first start working with bars and beer? Uh, I dropped out of college out of Northeastern When I was 18 and I got a job at a cafe at Newbury Street the Outside side cafe uh, God rest his soul after 20 years, um, I was a dishwasher there, and then I was uh, you know worked my way up, and then became the GM at like 24 years old. I was working there off and on for a long time, and we started out there was uh, one one tap for the first few years I was there. It was just a 12 ounce Sam Adams Boston Ale actually. I'm not even sure if they make Boston Ale anymore, but it was Boston Ale, 12 ounces, three bucks. And then we got two more taps, and it was uh, Red Hook. My the owner Sean was from Seattle. And so we started selling Red Hook, but before it was bought by Bud. And so we had three taps, and then eventually we realized that beer was where it was at, so we expanded to ten taps. Um, Your interest was, you were were working there.
4: Did you first get interested in in, in good beer? Or that was part uh, of working in the industry? I was primarily
9: a Guinness guy. Um, I had a crush on a girl that worked at a deli in uh, Kenmore Square, and I was 19. And uh, she was exotic and beautiful and she served me a a can of Guinness when I was 19 at her her deli it's called the Deli House another place that's not closed and uh, so once she started serving me Guinness and cans which I didn't like at the time because I was like 19 and stupid um, I kept drinking more Guinness cans and then the whole staff just assumed that I was 21 and so I started drinking Guinness almost exclusively for years I got really into it. I loved it. I would go to. I was like that obnoxious guy who shows up to parties with his own four pack of, of cans because I couldn't drink couldn't drink Coors Light or whatever else it was like the local, you know, frat keg or whatever. So I was in. I was into. Uh, I was into Guinness almost exclusively for many years. And then I went to a brew pub in Brattleboro uh, to visit my cousin, and I, I walked in and I said, "I'll have a Guinness." And the bartender was like, "We don't do that. We make our own beer, idiot." And I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck. I hate beer. I like Guinness." And so he gave me a, a McNeil's Oatmeal Stout, which I really liked. And then I had a Dead Horse IPA. I had a Dead Horse, Vermont, I, right? I a dead horse yeah. IPA, and then I had an ESPN cask. And I was like, holy shit, imagine that. There's other good beers out there. I went back um, to Boston and uh, started selling McNeil's beers at the at that cafe on the side. And then I had a, uh, a chance to have a tasting with uh, Dane from B United, who used to work, uh, one of the original B United. Uh, Sales guys, and one of the
4: the, the top importers of, of of small you know really awesome Belgian traditional European beers, right? For sure, for sure. Well, you
9: had a great education, man. So I so I went to a tasting at Bukowski's uh, with Aaron Sanders, who now owns Deep Elm. Uh, so Aaron was a GM of Bukowski's. Who is that? That's I, in that's uh, in Austin. Austin oh, and no, in Boston, another, another great beer bar. So I was. So Aaron was a GM of of Bukowski's. I was the GM of the other side. We had a late-night tasting with Dane from Beer United. Dane brought in Schneebukoff and Ayla and Aventinus and all that stuff, Schwenkla, and beers I I was, you know, I was probably 24, 23, maybe, and never had, never even thought of existed. And that was really what turned everything on for me, just sort of lit lit my fire for craft beer. I immediately the next day started ordering tons of cases from craft, who was the, the, back then it was like L-Knife and Seaboard, whatever, the distributors of those beers. And we, our, our list, of, the other side expanded oh, from ten bottles to eighty, uh, almost overnight. And uh, we did that for a while, and so the, 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 the race was on. And then I opened up my own place in Amherst, the Mona and and I was. How did you, how did you go from Boston to Amherst? Well, I had no money, and so I wanted to open up my own, my own place. And I had a couple of people who had said to me, you know, hey, you're good at this. If you ever want to do your own place, let us know. We'll, we'll back you up and so i i just i called in all those all those favors and it turned out that i could only raise about 60 grand um which wasn't it didn't really buy much in boston so i had gone to umass for a year in between some things and saw that there was a need in in, in western mass for that and i found a dive bar that i bought for 60 grand and i put another 40 into it and uh, that's the mona dove and that was where i got started and i was fortunate that
4: Let's, let's stop and talk about that, because from what I heard from our good friends, the Shelton Brothers, who inspired me to always be part of good beer, um, that was their favorite place for beer in, in Massachusetts. Sure. So you, you came in with a dive bar, and what did you do? Tell us
9: all the steps that you turned that into a world-class beer Well, bar. we knew, I knew that I was going to lose 100% of the regulars that had you know all the goodwill that the old Amherst House had generated over its 10-year history. I was going to lose all of that. Um, and that's obviously risky. When you, when you have a clientele and it's, it's a relatively, on a small scale, successful business, it's tough to go in and just wipe out your entire clientele and start from scratch, which is really what we did. It was really nerve-wracking. Uh, fortunately, so we, we had t- he had 12 taps, I believe. We, we expanded to 20. And, uh, you know, just to give Gene a shout-out real quick, Gene, who owned the Am- old Amherst House, he was the first guy to carry Sierra and Anchor Steam and Guinness uh, he, he bought that place in 1992. Uh, it was an old package store called r and Liquors, which then moved across the street to a bigger location and still there today. So Gene had it for 10 years, but he was a craft beer pioneer, and he's actually uh, deceased now. He, after he sold it to me a couple years later, he, he was in a car accident and passed, uh, tragically. Um, but he was a pioneer, and so the only Guinness you can get uh, in the Valley for a long time was at the old Amherst Ale House. And uh, the only Sierra Nevada you can get, the only Anchor Steam you can get. In fact, every once in a while you would have an Anchor Liberty, which I still contend is like the original American IPA. And I love Anchor Liberty. I always have.
4: You know, Anch- we met, we met a, a West Coast hop grower, John Siegel, and his family in the Pacific Northwest when they developed, I think it was the Cascade Hops, uh, they developed
9: it for Anchor Liberty
4: way back then. Yeah. So there's a lot of history there. That's a, lot a, of, a lot of history there. Yeah. So I,
9: I was just basically taking his tradition, tradition and pushing it forward. He had a big bottle cooler. He, you know, he had carried Sam Smith and a, you know some other breweries that were considered crafty at the time. Um, and I took it. You know, obviously pushed it to a, a big another. So I I, I refused to sell uh, Sierra or Anchor or Sam or Heineken or any of the sort of theoretical craft beers of ten years ago. That was like where I my low my like the basement. So I, I said all right. If I sell Sierra and Anchor Steam alongside of Stone and Dogfish Head and Barry Public, etc., everyone's going to walk in and just say, Oh, a Sierra, because they don't know these other breweries. So, the only way I can actually make this work is if we only sell things no one's ever heard of, basically. So, we were the number one 90 minute account in the country for a long time. We sold. Fa- you mean you know, for Dogfish Head 90 minutes. Yeah, we sold uh, pints for five fifty for 9% beer. At the time, selling a pint for 550, in 2002 was insane. People were like, "I'm not paying 550 for a pint." Oh, so we thought, but it was the number one selling beer, and, and then uh, we just, we were fortunate enough. Ultimately, but did you have to convince people back then? I mean, it 10 was years uh, a, it, you know what the place was so cool that was the thing. We had great staff. We had there was always people that lived in the Amherst area who were like, "Thank God, someone's catering to the non-students," because every other bar in Amherst caters to students. We were the only place that acknowledged that there were people above 25 in that area, and there's a lot of them whether it's, you know, grad students, professors, just regular folks living and trying to, you know, there's a lot of folks in that area who don't want to go to a student bar. And we didn't sell Coors Light, Bud Light, we didn't sell pictures we didn't sell Shots, we didn't do any of that typical college town bar thing. So we, we became instantly the alternative place for everybody else. And it happens to be that there was a lot of other people who were really into that. And so we were busy from night one and it's really never stopped. I mean, it's been steady for ten, this entire ten-year history. So do you still own & Dove? I don't. I sold it you to sold uh, it? a good friend of mine, Jason DiCaprio. Um, I was in his wedding. He, we were roommates at UMass Amherst. He's a great guy. Uh, he's since uh, his, since he bought it from me four years ago. He's now opened up High Horse in uh, Central uh, Amherst. Um, so to going pre- back, because Mo- & Dove was it was like to me, this
4: is what a beer bar should be. So tell us when you opened it. Besides the beers, what was it like? How many seats? I mean, how big? How long was well, the, the bar? Well, the bar—it's
9: funny. It's small. It's in a strip mall. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's next to a gas station. It's ugly from the outside. Everything about it reeks of that business going to fail. Uh, in fact, I remember when Greg from Stone uh, came out to, for our first uh, our first brewer night uh, in our first year of opening. He rented a car from the airport, and the GPS took him a certain way that so that he was a mile the gps is like you are one mile away from your destination and he was driving through a cow field and he was like where the fuck am i you know and fortunately he got there and and, uh it's it's not on it's not on the beaten path by any means you have to want to go there it's a destination you can't walk there nobody walks there you have to drive there and people uh really resonated with the atmosphere you know, it's a small place. It's got uh, 14 bar stools, 50, 50 seats total. It's a little a small spot, intimate, really uh, intense vibe of friendship and camaraderie, and a lot of great locals, a lot of great. It's a, and so I was also bringing all my good friends into work for me, and so it had this like sparkling, uh, romantic sentimentality from a very day one, where people are really drawn to the space, drawn to the people. It was a very magnetic time. Um, people were just really, I mean. Uh, Jeff is here. Jeff was. Is, Jeff is our, our the, all, the all-time best customer. Jeff the his, j- history of Mon-Dub. who
4: made our Bloody Marys this morning. But
9: Jeff. Jeff would actually offer a really good perspective on what he saw as an outsider, how the Mon Dove developed and how it, it came into the scene of Western Mass.
4: So, Jeff, tell us about the Mon Dove.
7: I walked into the Mon Dove. Uh, actually, my brother brought me there for the first time. Uh, he worked uh, up in Amherst and. Uh, Wednesday night was kind of the night for you know people just to come in there, and it really became like a family. Uh, it was really interesting how there were so many different people from so many different walks of life just hanging out in there, and it really became such such an interesting place. There there were professors in there, you know, writing up their their studies for uh, the following you know days. There's students. There was um, it was just this really eclectic mix. Uh, you had people with, uh, with laptops and, uh, uh, the music was, was different. Um, there's just so much about it. You walk into this tiny little place and, uh, you really felt like there was, like you're in your living room with like a whole bunch of great friends.
4: Awesome. Well, and going back to Dan, so Dan, since then, I mean, I knew you as the mornings of, and you had, did you have two bars in Amherst at one yeah, point?
9: Yeah, I opened up the Dirty Truth in Northampton, which is everyone that has a business in Amherst also has a business in Northampton. There's a bridge that separates the two towns, and for some people it feels like somehow it's 50 miles apart, even though it's about a mile apart. Um, so it's very common for people to open up places in both towns. Uh, Northampton is a bigger city than Am- the Amherst, or bigger town by far. Uh, it also has a college, much smaller college, but it's much more progressive, and uh, it's just a different size. Is that Hampshire College? Uh, no, that's Smith. Um, Smith is all, in what, all, Northampton? Uh, yeah, and uh, Hampshire is right down the street from the Monadav. So a lot of the Hampshire, the, the people that turn 21 in their senior year of Hampshire end up going to the Monadav every night for the last six months of their At Hampshire College, college at UMass, Amherst. Amherst College, and Mount, Hol- Mount, Mount Holyoke. So there's five colleges in the area. I mean, there's a bus that goes from Mount Holyoke, all girls school, really, really well to do, really expensive, really private. It goes. The drop ship operator right at the moment
4: shit. Awesome. Okay, next step. I'm trying to get Patrick to track down uh, Dan John. Paquette from Pretty Things. John. Dan Paquette, get over here. He's our next interview, I'll but we can shot say shot. that we're out here at Cooperstown. Sound. I, I want. I want Dan Lanigan, Daniel Lanigan, to me is is the ultimate beer bar owner in uh, America. I wanna make sure we got the whole story. So you went from from and Dove, you expanded, and then what was next? You did
9: uh, So we did the Dirty Truth in Northampton. Um, again, same scenario, people coming into the Dirty Truth saying, um, thank you so much for opening. We we didn't even know we needed this place as bad, but we did and we're so happy you're here. And I did I did cannibalize a little bit of the business in Monan Dove. Uh, we lost probably five to ten percent of the regulars who, who now no longer had to go from Northampton to Amherst. We did that for a couple of years, and then I decided um, I had sort of hit this, my glass ceiling in uh, Western Mass. So I uh, sold them both to friends and moved to Boston and opened up Lord Hobo, and then I opened up... Uh, so you were from Boston, but you always did want
4: to have a bar in Boston. Of course, yeah. Of course. So what was Lord Hobo like? How did that change from uh, of?
9: Well, Lord, uh, Lord Hobo was... Uh, I took over from a, a really famous, infamous place called the B-Side Lounge, which really okay. had started the. Uh, what, of, what neighborhood in Boston was this? It's in between uh, Kendall and in Inman Square in Cambridge. Um, B Side Lounge is a pretty famous cocktail bar. Old kind of sort of started the, the, the next the generation of the old classic cocktails, in, that you see everywhere right now in Boston and everywhere else. And so it was kind of replacing. I was replacing a legend, and it was very controversial, and everybody, you know, was had a lot of opinions about it. Um, the hype on the internet about Lord Hobo opening was like something I'd never seen anywhere else because everybody loved the B-side well, they hated you they hated me uh, yeah. but you had a great beer well yeah I mean they, they hated they hated you know the, my, my point was listen the, I didn't force the guy to sell he decided to sell it himself and I happened to buy it but it could have just as easily been a CVS or a Starbucks or an Irish pub or some other bullshit uh, that everyone would have hated even more so I felt like I was at least offering some like character and quality and integrity in a bar and, and it's really worked out it's been a fine um you know, Dan. Dan will tell you. Mike will tell you. Um, the change from the B side. <laughs> we're tired of changing beers hard, right now. It's hard Sorry to talk guys, about on the air. When uh, all these beers are passing me by, you know.
5: Yeah, no. I, the change from the B side was dramatic, and and uh, I think for the better. Personally, I I used to go there and you know drink good whiskey and cheap beer. I'd rather go there and drink well, good whiskey it's, it's and good beer. I to say
4: this that you know that there was a time when there were certain bars and you know craft beer bars are, are what people want now and we love the good beers. But, but Dan, so Lord Hobo, you went from that and then
9: um, well, Lord Hobo. What I was trying to do there is uh, there's a, there's bits of legendary bars in Boston. Red Bones was sort of the original great beer bar of Boston, and then uh, Sunset Bar and Grill opened up and they did sort of the multi, the super multi tap place, 114 taps or whatever. Um, and then, you know, Deep opened up, Public House opened up a decade ago, and Public House has evolved from Anamkara, you know, uh, Red Sox Nation sports bar, sure. to a, a legit uh, beer bar. Sure. But uh, I felt like there was room for a, a truly world-class place, and so Lord Hobo to me is is the, my, the pearl in, in, the, in, the, in the treasure chest, you know. And do you Lord, live in Boston? I do. Lord Hobo is... Because so that's your baby. It's my dream, like what everything I ever wanted so about if a if I
4: want to find Dan- Daniel Lanigan,
9: will I find him at Lord Hobo in Boston? Well, more than likely. That's that's right. It's yeah. my, my office, yeah.
4: And then how did you end up... You opened a place in Baltimore, too, right?
9: Yeah, well, I had no intention of going to Baltimore, but a guy made me an offer I couldn't refuse, basically. You know, a guy came to me and, and I, he liked my spot and he was visiting his son and he had a place and he flew me down there and ultimately made me an offer I, I legitimately couldn't refuse and, and, I, and now it's been... I'm so glad we did because it's been awesome. Uh, in fact, Baltimore is... Our busiest location uh, no, which I I, never, I'm never, so impressed Because when,
4: when I met you Moan and Dub I, I, I figured you'd be there For 10 or 20 years and I, and I thought it was The dream of a lifetime And I'm just catching up with you And let's talk about Your favorite beers I mean you You, you know who's making good beer I mean you're here At Cooperstown and, and seeing you here It's like Wow I finally got to talk To Daniel Lannigan Like five years later um, You know I know You're a big fan Of the Shelton Brothers beers uh, What are some of the beers That you have on draft At Lord Hobo in Boston
9: And what beer should I try in New York it's beers that I don't know. Well, anybody who, uh, is familiar with the Mona will, will, uh, who's been there for a while, I mean, I'm not singing any, any new songs, you know, the stuff that's been good for the, for the last six or seven years is still the best stuff. There's a few new things, uh, like, Opa Oprah, 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 Hop bloggers come on the scene and that's, that's really world-class spe- special stuff, but there isn't a whole lot that comes out that, you know, really grabs you, um... I've, had, I've said for a long time that Duranka, uh is exactly. the best brewery in the world, I, I mean that, and I and I still believe. I love that. the beers. I love them, and, I, and I've felt that way. Druanky like, XX for the nine, Gutenberg Triple, um, Brasley Have you been
4: out there? Have you traveled to Belgium? <laughs> yeah Okay, so you, you've been to yeah. Druanky, Jimmy. It's tough yeah. getting them back and okay, back. Okay, yeah. Patrick's here. Is you know that's another story. We know Patrick from uh, all these things. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Donoher. Patrick Patrick's in trouble. Patrick, come on, get Patrick, me, get over here. Get, you get me, over here. Come here, racer,
7: buddy. Oh yeah. Sorry no, guys. Do you mind, Hold Patrick? Hello
4: Since you're talking, hello. Okay. So you and uh, and and Daniel, you partnered. You're in Queens. What's yeah. the name of your, your pub in Queens? His wife, NYC. Okay. We've had you on the show. So we'll Patrick's been you on again. the show a few times, Jimmy. <laughs> <But> <laughs> let's talk about Daniel because he's he's an awesome guy. You've yeah. been to Belgium, and and let's talk about Dyranki because I'll well, say that I feel like I was. One a cult of the, one beer one to one me. Dyranki X.
9: It's one of the first guys that was bringing his staff to to Belgium and Germany to drink beer. I did that twice a year for many years and it really paid a lot of dividends for us uh, both in relationships with brewers staff effectiveness uh, the, the ability the knowledge we have the knowledge that we have as a crew to me I spent a lot of money taking my staff to Europe and to Craft Rivers Conference in When San Diego. I first
4: met you, I mean you brought your Moan Dove crew to Jimmy Summer forty three and other bars in New York and then to Philly. I mean that's unprecedented. I don't know anyone that does that. Yeah, well
9: that's really brilliant. Well a lot of people do it now, but you
4: know. Yeah. Belgium. But, Durant, but what so what's so? Dirac's Dirac's
9: there. Uh, it uh, Bra- 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 their own brewery. Bra- 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 de la Sen is, is uh, on the on the scene now. <laughs> but are
4: they the, they're their own breweries? Or are they
9: making at someone else's brewery? Roger Bra- Bra- de la Sen has their own breweries. They make Terrace Blobo. they make Brussels Calling, they make uh, Stout Eric, Zinda beer. I will get there. Yeah. Um, Roger Bra- yeah. Bra- de la Sen is the most important brewery that nobody knows about. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's uh, Yvonne de Bets. Yvonne de Bets is the most important brewer in Belgium. He's that's the, the he's 20, 30, 40 years from now. He's going to go down as like the yeah, most of Bulba, the, one of the most the important four point five
4: percent. You know, session beer thousand
9: pale yeah, and there's dry harp studerik yeah. yes, Uh beer spent fantastic brussels calling um, half year <laughs> um, So also another brewery that's very important that everyone should know about is Kerckum Kerckum Bank. Yes. Bank, yes. Bank Bank Blonde Bank Blonde yes. Uh, Bink Blossom, Bink Triple. Yeah. Uh, Mark Lamant bought a uh, an old, a little legit, an old brewery from the 1800s that had been twice raided by Germans stealing their copper, and uh, it's an old farmhouse traditionally in a in a amongst about 200 acres of cherry trees. It's one of the most magical places. Actually, probably is the most magical place on earth to drink beer uh, when you go to Bink. But the Bink Blonde, the Bink Bruin, the Bink Blossom, all all the brewers I'm mentioning. Thanks, Jeff. our, our all, what they have share in common is dry, hoppy, relatively low alcohol, subtlety, nuance. Um, so yeah, there's some, some breweries that we champion that a lot of folks don't know that well. It's awesome, Daniel.
4: It's so great talking to you. We have a lot to do here. We're up at Cooperstown. You can hear the chatter in the background. We got you know beer bar owners and other brewers to talk to. Um, we're gonna we're gonna step over to the Hop Chef competition which is a big part of the Omi game Festival. It's so good to see you, man, and thanks for talking. absolutely my pleasure. Good I respect you, you 100%. <laughs> and, Likewise. of course, Likewise. the beers that you like, I like too. <laughs> I like all those Southern Brothers <laughs> I, beers.
7: Alewife NYC. Alewife NYC is in Queens. All
4: right. cheers. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Assassins Radio. All right. I like beer. Thank you for tuning in to Beer Sessions Radio. We'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com and our friends at The Good Beer Seal who helped make this podcast possible. In addition, thank you to Brewery Oma gang for being such open and gracious hosts. And to our guests, Michael Saklad, Jeff Goulet, Jason Price, Tim Reinke, Chad Rich, and Daniel Lanigan. Also thanks to Brie O'Connor, Aaron Fairbanks, and Luke Manson for technical support. And our hometown Brooklyn team, Jack Inslee, and Joe Galarraga at the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio.
3: And some of my songs I have casually mentioned The fact that I like to drink beer
1: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a non profit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.
3: Whiskey's too rough, champagne costs too much. Vodka puts my mouth in gear.